Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Breakdown with your host, Sharifa Hardy, and me, Mr. Marvin Showtime Williams. We are in the new format where we have talking points every day, points of concern, points of interest, points of debate and discussion. And we started off actually yesterday. We feel we had a great show leading off with equal rights, equal rights for women's pay. And the discussion was energized, and the point of views were respected and insightful. And tonight we have another huge topic. It's pretty much gun control. How are you doing, Ms. Sharifa Hardy? I'm wonderful. Thank you for asking. How are you? I have no complaints. Even though we have such of a, um, a monumentous topic to discuss, uh, you know, the bottom line is I'm in entertainment, so it was a good day. But now we're going to have a serious day, or at least a serious close to the day. That's a wonderful thing. So we, what we want to do is we want to invite our listeners to join the conversation. So if you are listening to the show on your computer and you want to join this conversation, this topic, give us a call at 646-564-9989. Again, that number is 646-564-9989. And if you're listening to the show on your phone and you would like to join the conversation with a question or a comment, please feel free to press 1. So what are we discussing today, Showtime? Today is basically, and I hate to use the word basically because that feels like we're going to diminish, you know, the the monumentous tone. You know, we're here. I took that word really out of my vocabulary. That's the one word that tone? I wanted to take out of my. No, no, basically. Monumentous. You know, I, I said basic, say, oh, no, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I told this, mm-hmm. you know, basically this happened, and it's like it's not basically. It either is or it isn't. You know, right? Be more precise. And and, and, and that's why you see the minute I said it, I had to try to retract it. And Correct. talk about yes. the word before the topic, um, because yeah, it basically you know diminishes what you're trying to talk about. And when we look at gun control, the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, uh, the NRA, we look at shootings. What is the cause, basically, of? There I go. Basically, what what is the cause of of horrific tragedy? You know, nobody wants to take away people's right to protect themselves or their family within, you know, the law. However, we have uh, lobbyists and we have business interests that I don't even believe are necessarily uh, as, as I would say, as, um, you know, people like to just make it seem like the NRA is stupid or, they have no empathy or, you know, they, they don't care about uh, human life, this and the other, but their, their focus is one side. I don't think it's as easy as just, you know, black and white to saying, by, by saying, you know, the, the lobbyists don't care about this, don't care about that, because, you know, at the same time they have, you know, children, they have families too. But I do believe interests are interests, and trying to bring everybody into middle ground uh, is hard especially when you have business business attached as well and you have private sellers, this and the other attached as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's cause for great concern, great debate. I know that we're not in any way trying to 
you know, monetize or take advantage of the recent events which involve, you know, children and and death, sadly. But we have to look at the fact that when you look at areas like Chicago and L.A., if you look at locations all around the country, you know, deaths caused by guns that maybe with more legislature or maybe more background checks, you know, you might have accidents that were totally ripe from the scene of a day or the news, you know, you have to look into these, you have to look into all variables that kind of go into a horrendous accident and say, how can we do better or how can we possibly divert from that outcome? And then, of course, you know, you have business interests and then interests and people and insecurities, and it just turns into an, a monumental discussion. Absolutely. So let's discuss it. Well, that's what <laughs> we plan to do. And, you know, the funny thing I was thinking about when looking at today's show, the the topic, the breakdown is intended to allow the listeners to really take information and infuse it into their lives so that they can move forward with what, you know, their dreams and passions and entrepreneurial spirits, you know, want to move them, the direction they want to advance themselves in. But not every day are we going to be discussing things that are just like, you know, uh, that are, are going to incentivize or galvanize, you know, the entrepreneur to move forward in their dream. But we'll also introduce topics that make you think because using your brain in a very analytical manner, even if it's outside of the scope of business, still helps you think critically and think outside the box so that in certain ways you're actually broadening your, broadening your horizons, broadening your scope of, 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 of what you might, you know, be only focused on, you might be tunnel visioned on, and, you know, it allows you to look at things in a different perspective, which ultimately I believe is good for business anyway. You know, great businesses adapt. Great business visionaries are always thinking steps ahead, and it always comes from bringing in additional information and trying to synthesize it and figure out, you know, what's what, like problem solving, if you will. You know, so great business leaders are always problem solving. And, you know, this is a very big problem in society right now. Problem solving or guns? Well, I think, you know, when you look at gun control, like let's just pretend that you and I were both in the Senate or that we're somewhere in Washington right now. Let's say that we're not in the entrepreneurial realm of things. Gun control, as well as other issues in society, would be, our talking points, our cause of debate, and ultimately our problems as well. So when we talk about gun control or guns, these are things that, of course, are on Capitol Hill right now because everybody is either marching or demonstrating or lobbying. The president is talking, right? So it would be our problem. So if we put ourselves in those shoes, gun control, guns, the, the hot debate that it is, is exactly that. It would be our problem. Well, what and we want to do... Mhm. Yes. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I've kind of opened up the doors for to like you know, inquire about people and their perspectives. And this is before we get into the biases and the isms of gun control, right? Before we get into like you know, the big debate of why, how, and the intricacies. 
But what are your thoughts on the Second Amendment, or what are your thoughts on gun control as it relates to, you know, crime, death, and, of course, you know, what we've seen in the recent news? What I think, this is what I think, I have to quote the late, great, I can almost get it out, okay? I just have to say, why can't we all get along? That's what I want to know. Ronnie King. That's my question. Uh, well, you know, this is very interesting because when, whether if you look at like, you know, little, um, whether you look on black on black crime, whether you look at like, you know, in the case of like, you know, the recent events when you look at little Caucasian kids, you know, walking into schools and taking out, you know, their friends because of pressures and adolescence, you know, uh, you know, the fact that guns can get into the hands of the kids is scary. Because I remember when I was 13, 14, 15, and 16, not to say that I wanted to run around with a gun and just kill people or shoot people for any, any, any scope, but I remember looking at reports on, you know, the, the young male's adolescent mind and how much is underdeveloped. And there's so much, like, stimuli, and there's so many forces out there that are pushing these young kids to think one way and, 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 and try to keep up this way. And there's still, you know, you can think back to when you were in high school as a young female all the pressures that you felt and now we heighten them with social media and we heighten them with, you know, the fact that these kids are getting a lot more information than we had at at that same, at that same time. And they're trying to process it. And to me, I can only imagine that it must be pretty tough being a youngster coming up right now, because, you know, back in the day when we went to school and then when we went, we went home, there were like cutoff points. Like when you were on your way home from school you weren't really feeling peer pressure. You might think about the day, but you weren't really feeling peer pressure and the pressures that went along with school. When you're at home, you were probably studying or dealing with your family, maybe had a job, but you weren't necessarily so tuned into media and the pressures of the day. And right now, these kids today, everything is around them 24-7. I remember listening to, um, I don't know if it was on our show or somewhere else, where people were saying that, you know, back in the day, you might not see your husband or your wife for the whole day. And now, you know, you can interact all the way throughout the day with texts and things and calls. And, you know, I just think that there's so much information these kids are trying to deal with that, you know, I, I hate to say that snapping or going over the deep end is easier, but in a way, the reason why you, every action is pretty much a consequence of something that happened before and now the kids aren't just looking for consequences that happen at school. Uh, there are consequences that are just going on all around them throughout the day. So even if you're going home sitting in the back of your car with mom and dad or just whoever you're with, you know, your phone goes off and then you look at that. And then that, that information also empowers you or, or gives you certain uh, stimuli to, 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 to make the next move. So when I look at it, I'm like, there's a lot of things at play right now. And I'm pretty sure that even for the people on Capitol Hill, they, they're looking at all these different perspectives to try to make sense of it all, you know? Yes, but the thing is, the thing is, as AJ from Up The Way would say, 
There's nothing new mm-hmm. under the sun. People have always mm-hmm. had pressures, no matter with or without social media. People have had pressures. There's been bullying. There's been a lot of different things. I'm not saying that it's different mm-hmm. because it changes over time. But mm-hmm. I had a really emotional radio show um, this morning on my, my um, 8 o'clock call, my 8 o'clock show. Or, and are you going to be able to share share some of it or no? That That's what I was doing right right now. Right now, I was sharing. <laughs> but right before you so cut me off, that's what I was doing. I'm, I'm working on that, Sharifa. I really am. I promise you. I'm in therapy for it right now. And that's what we do at the breakdown. Okay. Hey, it threw me completely off. I'm trying to tell you what to happen on the show. So, I'm on mute. Good. Thank you. But anyway. So this morning, the show was very emotional. I had this shaman on there. She's an OC shaman. She's cool. And things that she was saying was, and I thought it was really profound. And so, and I wanted to discuss it in today's conversation. But she said, I am not against war. I'm for peace. And she said, that's how I live my life, not being against anything, but being for things. And so we keep asking this question about gun control and gun control and gun control and our rights and our rights and our rights. Okay, that's one conversation. But my question is, what are we really preparing for? What do they all need these guns for? If you, I saw an article today about Australia. Australia did a gun um, turn-in. I, I'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. of the name, but they turned in all these right. guns in Australia as a result of everything that's going on in the world. And they had thousands of guns that are now off the streets. Mm-hmm. What do people in middle America going to work every day need all these firearms for? I mean, I understand their rights, and I'm not saying that you do not have the right to prote- protect yourself, but right. – Really? How much do you really need? How do these, and and I'm saying these people because I'm generalizing, but how do people Mm -hmm. think these children are obtaining all these weapons when they go shoot up these schools? Where where do they get all these guns from? So I think overall, if we focus as a people, if we focus more on what we can do for peace or to create peace and to deal with some of the issues that we're dealing with as a people, you have homelessness, you have drug addiction, you have unemployment. Okay, those things really irritate people. They really make them mad and agitated. And so if you have somebody who's already mad and agitated and he just happens to have a stockpile of firearms, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I I think, well, I mean, I think you just said it, and that's why I think I was using the word, you know, stimuli and stimulation and things that happen throughout the day. You have an agitated person, and they have a stockpile of weapons. Um, You know, we know what it has, what's the probability of happening, of of happening next, you know. I was watching, I forget the name of the documentary by Michael Moore, and I was watching it, I believe, yesterday. It was on Netflix, Mm -hmm. and I was watching it a little bit. And I was, uh, it was basically, you know, capitalism in America and how it, it had it had changed. I, I didn't even know that, you know, 
in the earlier years of capitalism, I didn't even realize that middle America, you know, people were being taxed up to 90%. However, there was a lot of like, you know, you know, the, from medical and schooling and education to send the other, you know, things were, you know, li- living was basically better from the terms of how many public services were just affordable to people. You get what I'm saying? But one thing that also made me very, um, one thing that made me interested is that when he showed the progression of like, you know, capitalism in America and you're looking at people, you know, being kicked out of their homes and, you know, like the foreclosures and the bankruptcies, you saw like average people. And when I say average, I'm talking about, you know, these people aren't wealthy. So, you know, um, probably more on the bottom totem pole of middle, uh, of, of the middle class, but, these folks were getting agitated to where they're using terminology like now, you know, I may want to go rob a bank or, you know, I may want to cause an altercation or I might want to become violent because things are, you know, edging people on. And I think when you have, you know, a lot of these kids, when you begin to look at the environment of, especially things when they, when there are like, you know, these mass shootings, you begin to look at their home environment and there's a lot of things going on in that home environment. There's like abuse, there's like, you know, maybe a drunken parent. There's poverty. Uh, I, you ask the question, and you, you pretty much have a good idea what happens next. It's just like if you're in a poverty-stricken neighborhood and you look at the, the crime rate, when there's a, when there's a, a lack of employment um, for, for, for young people and even older people, no matter what, people have to survive. I mean, their natural instinct is to survive. And then if surviving, you know, if you have to make a choice between taking to survive and trying to do the good thing, and most of the time you're saying, okay, I'm going to try to do the good thing. I'm going to try to be the right person. But then survival begins to kick in and people begin to have other thoughts of, you know, what might be the alternate way to, to, to live. Uh, when I look at these mass shootings, you have people who are also under a lot of pressures and stresses at home. And you're right. You know, what are all these weapons for? But at the same time, looking at those Weapons when they're inside of a climate that's kind of ready ready to be set off. And so that's a very interesting yeah, question. Absolutely. And we do have a caller who with a question or a comment for today's um, topic. Caller 562, you are on the air. Thank you. Good evening. This is Jordan, Jordan Drew Plumbing. It's chiming in. Uh, thank you all for allowing me to join the conversation. Sharif and Marvin. Um it's heavy when we're speaking on tonight about guns and it, it it's no in my opinion no one you know simple answer just like it was no one way to just come to this point because it just just didn't happen and we can go back in history and see how it evolved and speculate on you know at one time guns were glorified i mean it's funny i was walking through the store the other day, looking at the little army men and cowboys and Indians in the little package that we used to play with as kids, you know. And as a kid, you know, you don't know. You're going pow, shooting in the kind of series we watched on television, you know, the Long Ranger and this one and that one, shoot 'em ups, my grandmother used to call them. And the heavy ones, you know, Elliot Nest, Untouchable. So guns have kind of been this thing around. Ever since, yeah, I guess it might, they might want to blame it on the Chinese, whomever came up with this firepower. But when we look at society in regards to what I heard Sharif ask about why we can't get along, that's that's idealistic. We all want that. My brother and I used to have that conversation. And he started telling me, Aaron, I see that's, 
that's that's utopia. That's never gonna happen. And that's probably true, but we can always keep hoping and wishing and praying and trying to make it happen. And why I say that is because I oh I'm a half full person. And I heard a gentleman say, I don't know which particular store, but he's an arms dealer and he said, I'm gonna stop selling that high powered weapon, you know, that the young man used. He said, you know, I, I just thought about it, and, and, and not, I couldn't have that blood on my hand, you know, on my hands. And I think as we keep talking about it and people are talking about it, it's starting to prick more and more to people's consciousness because, yes, we're in a capitalistic society. You know, I'm part of it. Actually, you know, people in business, any of us that are entrepreneurs, we're actually a part of it. But we have to find ways and means to be capitalistic and more at the same time. And I thought that was a very good indication when I heard that gentleman say that. You know, he's ready to get bypass that money for the better of all. Because when we look at it, at the end of the day, we got to ask ourselves, we're dealing with the most important person or people, however you want to phrase it, on the planet, our children. Now, we protect liquor stores, we protect goods, all kinds of things. I, I gave a few suggestions out there. You know, and I, I can tell people, even the people who want guns, I'm one person, I'm realistic, you know, we have to have them, but why should we? If we was in a civilized society, a civilized society, and they, if we look at other so-called uncivilized societies backwards, and they don't have the murder rates we have, so who's really civilized? But I don't want to digress too far from what I'm saying, that we have to find means. We can put uh, uh, metal detectors, we can put um, bulletproof glass, but they don't want to spend the money because at the end of the day, everybody knows that's what it's about. Money. So I have a question. I have a question about the money. When you say the bulletproof glass and the metal detectors, where, 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 where do you want them to put it? Well, I'm suggesting start with the classrooms. You can use it there, and also um, one other I was going to add on to, the, the electronic locks they was talking. Now, with them, I mean, each, each thing has to be looked at on certain levels um, as far as because you have elementary, you know, junior high, high, and then some states, you know, they kind of put the element, I mean, the junior high and high together. But uh, my thinking is start with the classrooms, definitely, Cool. Metal detectors, the same things. One way they make it alleviate the book bags and backpacks is get back lockers and let them do their homework on the computers. Most of them on computers anyway at home. So rather than playing them games, do your homework. That way you don't have to transport books and stuff like that. Even carry a little lunchbox or bag. Try to alleviate as much, you know, packages as possible. That's, you know, this is a suggestion. As far as, um, you know, teachers with a pistol, no. I, I, and we just had a manifestation that was very, I, I mean, it was sad in a sense, but I think it was very timely because it showed. Now, this individual, whatever his problem was and, you know, went off and what have you, and he shot, he's the only one in the room. Now, imagine his children was in the room. We don't know what teacher may have a breakdown. Any one of us can have a breakdown at any time. So, you know, teachers are under a lot of pressure. We totally understand that. 
So that's one of the reasons, uh, amongst many, that I wouldn't give a teacher. And most of them don't want it, so that's we can skip that because they don't even want it themselves. But if in the case that something did happen, then they'd be able to lock it down and isolate to that particular classroom if the individual's in that classroom, or if he's out, then he can't get in. So you know, there's a number of things that you know that we can do. I'm for um, school armed security to a degree, but a professional one, and um, outside the perimeters more so than the school. Now, on the high school level, when we went to school, that's what it was. We knew the police that patrolled our school. He knew us. That's a conversation for another time. Because if he had really been doing his job, he'd have sent us in school. But anyway. Um, but outside. Okay, so I hear what, what you're what you're saying, but I'm with the metal detectors and mm-hmm. with the armed security guards, even outside the perimeters. I remember being in high school, and when I first went to high school, we didn't have metal detectors. <clears throat> then they added metal detectors, and we protested the metal detectors. And it was a post that was going around social media, and it was describing basically the same thing, to add um, metal detectors, add bar, it, bars. It was, it was a lot of different things. I have to find the post. But the response to it was, that's not a school, that's a prison. And when you add metal detectors and I mean, it makes it just seem to me more like a prison. And and to me, a prison is not necessarily a good environment for learning. I, I get that and what you're saying. Now, I should add it also, too. If I was going to design a school, it would be much bigger than the average school that they have, where when you went through the, the gate and the metal detector, you'd be a ways before you get to the school. That's just you know, me personally, the way I would see it. I don't have no barbed wire, nothing like that. You'd have to come through this particular area before you could get to the school. Yes, it would have a perimeter, but it would be big. I mean, they they big, they build big old golf course. Why can't they big, build big old schools? You know, track, field, uh, other occupations that they can, you know, do. They spend all that money, like I said, on sport and play. Why not invest it where it would almost be like a campus? They wouldn't even notice it. So, I mean, it's like, we, you know, we got to find different ways. I mean, like, so there's no one answer. Uh, they feel like this a prison. Um, participate. Like I said, when I went to school, the parents they participated the PTA. They was more involved. So, the each uh, location gets a certain amount of money allocated for different things. The parents and the community have to decide. You know. I mean, like I said, I don't have the answer. I'm just trying to throw out some suggestions towards the solution. I mean, everybody can, you know, criticize what's going on, but what do we do and how do we handle it? You know, it's, it's, it's not one individual. We can look at a lot of things. People talk about people's parents. I mean, some people let the television and the games be the babysitters. Other folks control that because some people do not believe that children watching violence constantly all day and playing on games has an effect on them. I personally believe that it does. Hello? We listened to you and your beliefs. Oh, you have that pause. Yeah, that pause. Like, yeah, like we, we oh, I, no, I, I don't want to no, Come on now. 
you know, I mean, I appreciate that. Thank you. That's okay. I'm humbled. And I hope a lot of people join in. You know, I don't want to just be my mouth, you know, because, but, I mean, seriously, it's like, this is a serious thing because, you know, I mean, hey, look, my children already went to school. You know what I'm saying? They passed it, but when I was coming up, that's another thing. I said, it's like, we got to get back to that. When I was coming up, y'all can relate to it, especially the elders if they listen. I hope y'all chime in and, you know, Everybody was like your child. You know, you kind of didn't do certain things because you know Mr. So-and-so or so-and-so was watching out and what have you. You know, it's a good thing. And I don't know when we kind of lost that, and I understand it because, you know, I, I'm not that naive. I know some folks, you can't say something to some of these young folks, man. They might pull out a gat or something, you know. <laughs> say yes, very like, interesting. Absolutely. Now, we do have another caller who has a question right. or a comment. And, and joining today's conversation. A1A, A1, we with you. We with you. A1A, area code, you are on the line. Hello. I'm so glad to be talking to you, Sharifa and Marvin. Um, I just wanted to comment on the fact that, uh, you know, one of the girls from the school, she has more viewers now than the NRA. You have George Clooney, Oprah Winfrey, and Steven Spielberg donating money to these causes, and however, the government doesn't want to pay attention. Now, I have family that loves guns, and I think that they're kind of naive, and they think that because, you know, they live in the country or whatever, and they're protecting themselves and they know how to use them, that they think that guns are a good thing, but I think they're very naive to the fact that there does need to be some kind of regulation on the fact that some of these people are mentally insane or have issues or, you know, prior instances that need to be addressed instead of just brushed under the rug. And that's I, I totally to agree. I, just, I concur. I just that's good. That. Yeah. Okay, that's good. You know, we got to deal with a lot of things, not just one more issue. But as we enlighten each family member, it's good that different family members can kind of speak out because it's kind of hard. Like I said, when you stand up against your family and they're not saying what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think if you come from a family who really has that appreciation for guns, um, I, and I've been around both sides. So you have people who won't have guns. You people that's, a, that's always a funny thing, too. You have people who don't have guns. Then you have people that do. And it, that's a very hard discussion to have and then when things happen in the news like they, they've happened you know everybody wants to say well it's because it's funny you got one whole group saying well it's because we don't have enough guns and then you got a group saying well it's because we have the guns and all it really does is, is stimulate a debate but at the same time what's the real solution one of the things that i look at is i i agree um with you aj from around the way um it's it's the it's the uh I look at the parents. What's your driving history? I think I look at the parents because I look at parenting like it was different. I think back in the day parents were involved a certain way. Now everybody is so busy. Like some of these parents actually look confused when their kids are the ones who are up. And not that not just saying kids who just shoot up schools, any crime, like parents are kind of oblivious, like, oh my kid did that. And there's just so – it's like people don't have enough time to be a parent, and then these kids are coming from such interesting environments 
that you know I'm I, I'm I'm perplexed at how these people even uh, raising kids, you know, uh, and and then they're amongst a bunch of other kids, and then they have access to guns. I know I just now read read one report. Walmart and Dick Sporting Goods actually have raised yes. the 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 legal gun mm-hmm. gun limit to 21, and that's a huge factor too because you know right after this shooting took place, you know there was a social media video going around about this little kid who's 13 who couldn't like you know buy liquor, can't buy you know cigarettes, can't buy a lottery ticket, but then he walks right into this gun show and he's 13 years old and he picks up a gun. Now he couldn't buy liquor, couldn't buy a lottery ticket, couldn't buy cigarettes. All that was regulated, but he walked right into a gun show and picked up a a, a gun from a, a private seller. And see, this is the thing. I'm not going as far from, like, you know, saying from gun culture, like, these things are wrong, but we have to also realize that we're giving a gun with ammunition to a kid. And that's a lot of assumptions going on in that sale. You see what I'm saying? When you give a, a gun to a 14- or a 15-year-old, like, I mean, we have to be at some point, we have to be realistic, realistic and not about so much, you know, culture has to evolve. You know, when we look at slavery or we look at civil rights or we look at things moving forward, culture has to evolve too and be like, and just say, hey, this is a 13, 14 year old kid. We have reasons why we won't give him alcohol. We have reasons why we won't give him cigarettes. We have reasons why we won't give him certain things. So why are we giving this young person a gun? A 13 or 14 year old, you know, can't just run up into a car lot and buy a car because we look at a car like it's a moving, it can be a moving weapon. They can't just go – a 13-year-old just can't jump over to, you know, Ford and drive off with an SUV. There's reasons for that. So how we allow a 13 or 14-year-old to walk in off the street, pick up a weapon that can kill people, and then walk right back into society, and our assumption is, oh, you know, little Timmy or Brandon is going to be fine with this weapon, that is kind of very interesting to me. Well, I wanted to go back to to what you said initially when you mm-hmm. started talking about the parents, and that to me is like oh, yeah. one of the common things that I hear: the parents, the parents, the parents, the parents, the parents. And so, my question is, where are the parents? So, what we have to do, and and I think one movie that showed one aspect of it was Thirteenth, with the Thirteenth Amendment. When you look at how many men are no longer in the community, how many. No, single sure. parent home, and then when when the mother is at work all day, the question then becomes who's minding the store. So you can't just say it's the parent because incomes haven't increased, but yet the cost of living right. has increased. So mm-hmm. parents have to focus more on just being able to feed their children, as opposed to, to, yeah. to you know to survive. And so then the children have more time on their hands because um, the television is watching them, you know, babysitting them, you know. And and when the parent was there, they had a nice home-cooked meal, but now they having Cheerios for dinner. So now that child is is vulnerable to so many different influences because now the mother's Mm -hmm. not in the home, the dad's not in the home, and so the kid, as being a kid, has to make his own decisions. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's able to be influenced more. So that was my I agree with you. to what you said about, about the, the parents. I think to me. I agree with you a thousand goes, percent. Mm-hmm. Well, thank no, I, you. I agree with you a thousand percent. 
Well, like I said, I don't think it's just no one blanket answer. You know, parents is part of it. They, I mean, most people say parents because that's the root. That's where you start. That's where you get your foundation. So that's going to determine a whole lot on how you deal with the world. But we got to understand that the parents, kind of like what you were saying, are being so pressured by this society and especially this government and the way it's ran. That's why, in my personal opinion, this whole thing has to be redone because you, we cannot expect this society to grow and we keep going the way it is if we don't pay people the same amount of money. We're, you know, the, the realtors and people are so uh, I, I put it this way. Richard Pryor said it in, 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 one, in one of his interviews. I don't know which one it is. When I see it again, I'll try to repost it. The problem is basically greed. Greed. There's, there's no shortage of nothing. There's enough money. There are some people on this planet that have enough money, they have to die ten times to spend it. Some are being generous with it, but some are not. But at the end of the day, it's about money. That's the bottom line. They don't want to spend the money. So, I mean, we can, you know, only try to inform people how they can help themselves and some of the things that's going on that's, that's directed at them, you know, the, the, the uh, Madison Avenue and the pharmaceutical companies and the NRAs and all these big people who be trying to come at us with all this nonsense. And, 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 you know, we fall into it like almost rats, the old thing of, you know, the rat race. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you're still a rat. Get off that merry-go-round. Don't let this society control us. 535 people controlling the masses. What's wrong with that picture? Well, I agree with the with the grief um, statement, you know. But then, you know, there's so many things that are true because when you talk about you know, the pressure on the parents. I mean, this kind of goes back to when I just now said you let this little kid walk into, you know, um, you know, a private gun-selling environment or, you know, any kind of, you know, gun-based or firearm, firearm exhibit. You let a 14-year-old walk in there, and then we're talking about parents who are under pressure, and then we're saying, where are the parents? And then we're looking at the society with all these extra influences. And it's kind of like... You know, you're kind of playing around society knowing what will happen. You have kids who aren't really, you know, the focal point from the parent because, like we're admitting, you know, parents are doing working multiple jobs. So, you know, you have, you have to have a dual-income household. And a lot of times, you know, where is the father in this picture? And then this same kid without, you know, the right, you know, nurturing and guidance is allowed to go pick up a weapon and – when you look at it from a common sense approach, it's almost like, you know, the perfect setup for like chaos, you know? And when you say this small minority of people controlling the masses and, you know, with so many things that are just out of touch, you, you begin to look at, at these scenarios and sadly they actually make sense to happen because on one side, you know, you're taking all these resources away and people are really scratching their heads on trying to ha- survive, but then you're making it, you know, just as easy for them to pick up, you know, weapons that can cause a lot of harm and pain. So the mathematical equation is just off. Yeah, well, that's why you say there's no one simple answer, but we as parents have to take up some of that responsibility too. Actually, we said 
absentee fathers. Okay, you may not, you know, care naked with the wife or whatever situation. You still have children there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, vice versa for the women, because some women leave too. You know, you still have children there. The other part of that, too, is we cannot live out of our means. Some of us, you know, and we all want our children to have more and better than what we had. But you, we have to get back to common sense. Come on now, you don't need no two, three hundred dollar pair of tennis shoes. And I'm not hating on the people that sell them. That's their business. But you, you know, you're living in the project, okay? Where are the values? And, and I'm gonna tell you, I be in a lot of people's homes, very close and personal. And you know, I, I can share about who has what in this sense. Some folks have computers and books. Some folks have a bunch of tennis shoes and music. <laughs> Some folks have different things. And, you know, you kind of figure out who has what. You know what I'm saying? I have yet to see but one African-American with a set of law books in their home. I only know one family that has a total set of law books. Now, I'm just speaking from a cultural perspective. I'm not going to see, I, your charity starts at home, then abroad for me first. I can only speak for what I think should be important. Because ignorance of the law is no excuse, as they tell everybody. So we have to start educating ourselves as each community and each culture, because each culture should be proud of their community and look around the communities that are prospering. It don't take no who, you know what I'm saying? It, you know? Follow those who are trying to do the best they can. But it starts in the home with the parents. And if you don't have a, a parent, there are people who will parent you. My dad died when I was 14 years old. He got killed. But I thank God for the people that was put into my life, like Master Moses Powell, uh, Jackie McClain, Al Govine, different people who fathered me. You got to be careful out there. I ain't no fool. You got some got ulterior motives. But I'm talking about Men who will step up, and they're out there. Trust me, but you got to look for no, them I too. Definitely, I understand what you're saying. I want to go back to your to your um, to your point about. I'm trying to um, recall the specific point. Sorry that that you were making about the shoes, the two hundred dollar shoes. Um. Two things about that, and this is one of my favorite conversations because to me it's one of those conversations that people just accept, especially in the black community, that we spend hundreds of dollars on shoes, that we spend $200 on this, 300 you know, and we don't have anything, and that we have this trillion-dollar spending power that we don't utilize. And my point with that statement is always that's just one point, one part of the whole um, discussion. What what happens is if someone in the African American community who may happen to live in the project, and if he's buying tennis shoes, he's most likely a young male, so he may live with his parents. So he wants some shoes. Maybe he has a job. Maybe he doesn't. But he's in the project. What people miss in that conversation is that there are a lot millions of people, millions of people of other cultures that spend you know, 200000 on a plate. There there are people who have millions of dollars who spend money that $200 they could spend in, in, in seconds. 
not even in minutes. But the difference is if we spend $200 on shoes, that $200 came from the rent money. We don't have discretionary income to be able to do whatever it is that we want to do. That's the problem. I believe if somebody works and they they make an honest living, they should be able to spend whatever they want to spend, which is why I tell people when I get my millions and when I get my money, I'm going to buy me a tiger. And people are going to say, Sharifa, you do not need a tiger. And I'm going to say, I know, a tiger is not a basic need. Nobody needs a tiger. But if I work hard and I and I have, you know, earned an honest living, I should be able to buy whatever it is that I want to buy with my money. Oh, I grant you that. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, that's, that's a given. I, you know, my point with that was priorities. Uh, as a first as an individual and as a culture, me personally, and I hear you, and I'm mean, you know, each individual is entitled to do what they want with their means. Me personally, with my means, I would put it back into community after I take care of my basic needs. But that's me because I only need so I mean I only need so much to live off of, and I'm thinking more of the community would benefit more so from my means, you know, not. Just to, to use your example, than a tiger or, or whatever, a big mansion. Because, you know, there's some folks got four or five mansions, you know, that people, you know, want to get jets and stuff and all that kind of, and some, you know, they're parishioners. They're like, well, hold up. Well, let's, let's be realistic. Yes, you could buy whatever you want. That's your God given right. You've earned that money. You know, I, 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 you know, I don't have nothing against nobody spending their money, uh, you know, any way they want it. But, my point is, if we're going to talk about communities and cultures and, um, you know, legacies and investing in family things and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I think we have to rethink how we spend our money, especially in specific times. A lot of times I believe we spend money, you know, like we have it when we really don't. You know, we can be showboating or or we score high sign, and, and you know you really can't afford to do that. So rather than you know spend it on that, I was thinking something else, you know, investments. But some people they don't want that, and that's good, you know, to each his own, whatever floats your boat. I think what was actually no, interesting when I hear this, and, and and going back, like you know, kind of jumping back onto the gun debate, this and the other, mm-hmm. is that what's interesting to me is that you know how. Presidency after presidency, even including during Obama's term, um, I've seen is statistically how, you know, when you're talking about, like, you know, workers and their wages, how unions have been broken up. When we talk about parenting, this and the other, how much pressure has been put onto the parents to dang near fracture families. And it doesn't matter whether they're white and black because, you know, it is running rampant in each. Um, I think right now. I think right now in the white community, you know, they're getting hit hard, you know, with heroin abuse, methamphetamine hey, abuse. There you go. Um, um, and, and, and when you look at, I mean, heroin used to be considered like, you know, a poor black man's drug this any other years ago, but now it is not the case. You know, you look through middle America, heroin is, is eating it up. You know, it's like a, it's like a fire. And, um, and, and, and just looking at systematically how there has been, you know, just constant uh, degrading and, when you when you talk about you know people buying two hundred dollars shoes, but then you look and, and we can say back and forth and Sharifa you don't want you want the tiger. What's crazy is to see how much 
you know, foreclosures have went up throughout the years and the, the rate of those, also the rate of how much credit people use to live on it. You know, credit was not that particular item used, you know, 30, 40 years ago, the way that it's used now to where, you right. know, the, na- the nation as a whole, um, the, the most of the population, most of the population is carrying credit card debt, student loan debt. The nation itself is carrying credit card debt. Like they, if the United States was a person, it would be in debt. So the, when you look at this whole, you know, the gun debate actually begins to open you up to all kinds of things that simply right. don't make common sense. You when know what? you have, and, 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 and I was just going to top it off with this thing. When you mentioned the 535 or 500 and so many people leading, you know, the country, we go back and, and then you say this, this is what's so crazy, is that everybody is trying to survive, and even the politicians are trying to survive. So when you're a politician and you're over there on that side of the fence, and you're saying, okay, now I'm going to go there and I'm going to do a good job for the country. You know, the funny part about it is your job is now being dictated by lobbyists as any other because the rules change. Now there's money funneling in, and you want money to what? Help, you know, your to, – to help the people that you're looking out for, Right. Um, everything under your watch. So you're buckling too. It's kind of like crazy to where, and I think Sharifa, you said it earlier, and you were like, "Can we all just get along?" I personally look at, I personally look at the country. I don't think we're all playing the same game. Like politicians are playing their game. The kids on the street who are trying to, you know, be impressive and have status with the shoes. Then when you talk about people. With the discretionary income to spend, I look at Mark Cuban. I think after the Dallas Mavericks won a game, he spent ninety thousand dollars on a bottle of champagne. Five minutes, ninety thousand mm-hmm. dollars gone. Fifteen thousand dollar tip. Yes. But of course, you know it yes. came from the Mavericks and their their spending. It didn't hurt him none. It was free to him, right? Yes. But yes. I think everybody is literally playing a different game, and I think that's why it's hard for anybody for the country as a whole to move forward because it's like everybody is subdivided, playing their own game, trying to win their own game but we're not all in the same game. Does that make sense? Yes, but if it hasn't been that way since the beginning of time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's just what I was going to say, because that's what I've come to the conclusion when you was talking about killing. What was, mm-hmm. if you go for the allegorical story that we've told in the Bible of Cain and Abel, it was about killing, right? So if you look at it, man has been on that trail ever since. Why? Why? Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? So well, we can understand that we're all one. If we can see, as the book, it almost says, yeah, we're my brother's keeper. We're one. Now, that's the thing, and it's hard. We haven't done it. We know the history of slavery and this, that, and other. And there are other people who are enslaved, dude. You know, ever since man has been on this planet. She, let me tell you something. Been, right now, Right now in Libya, brothers are selling brothers in Libya right now. Yeah, and and and, it, and 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 what's crazy is that the minute we bring in the business, because you'll see, and you know, sometimes I look at slavery as a big old lie, and the big old lie was the business that it was. You know what I'm saying? If you take the average, um, if you take the average Caucasian person during a slavery period, you had a lot of Caucasian people who that thought to say slavery was wrong, but on the flip side of it, slavery was legal. So that, you know, you can be in business, whether you're, you know, whether you have your farming, whether you're doing this for your agriculture wise, whatever you're doing, that right. was good business. So slowly for the money, you're like, well, 
yeah, let me look at these types of people like they're subhuman, like they're beneath me. But if there was no financial driver, then it would be non-existent. You get what I'm saying? Like the need for it wouldn't be there. Just like when you had to emancipate or free a particular group of people for another level of business, say fighting in a war. You get what I'm saying? All Mm -hmm. the business and all the greed drives how people look at one another. And that's why I'm saying we're not on the same page in the same game. Slaves are coming in because, you know, that's free labor. Look at the jail system right now. Free labor, you know, and as as much as we and as much as we think that, you know, we're above slavery, even as black folks, I'm going to tell you what's funny, too, is that when we buy iPhones, this was the crazy thing to me now. When we buy iPhones and we buy radios and we buy shoes, who said it best? Was it Dave Chappelle? And he was talking about one of the presidents. And, he, and I think he was talking about Donald Trump. And Donald, he was like, Donald Trump wants to bring back Chinese jobs. And Dave Chappelle, I think he was like, I don't want no Chinese jobs because I like to wear Nikes, but I don't want to make them. But the crazy thing is, we don't know the conditions that the Nikes are being made in, the iPhones are being really? made in. A lot right. of the products we buy are being made in. We turn to other, look, we just say, give it, give it to me at a certain price, and I'm off in the streets running, giving my Air Jordans and I'm running out of Foot Locker. But we don't know if some little 12-year-olds were in there making that little Nike sign. So I'm Thank just you. like, as, as a country, we're fragmented, but even as a globe, because everybody be like, America, 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 but we don't know if some little Indonesian kid just now made my Gucci belt. You get what I'm saying? And oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we don't, we don't even care. care. I mean, it goes the gamut, Marvin. I mean, like you said, from the material items to drugs to child pornography to all those situations, if it wasn't money involved, it wouldn't be allowed. But I'll end it like this. So-called bad people only do what good people allow them to do. So That's as long as we allow, you know, these things to go on. Because I personally believe there are more Right-minded or good-conscious people, people are trying to do the best they can than those who want to cause destruction and, and have made the almighty dollar their god. That's you know what true. I, I, There's I wanna, more I wanna, people, I wanna, I wanna, but one of the things that reminds me of, of Edmund Burke mm-hmm. and his all that's necessary for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing. So nothing. They, yes. Yes. Well, that's yes. very true. So, that's very true. Right. So um, in response to what Marvin was saying, Earlier, I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with your saying, but I also wanted to make a, a point. Initially, slavery wasn't about race. It was about business. It was about money. Mm-hmm. They tried to make slaves mm-hmm. out of white people, but the white people ran away. Right. So there was mm-hmm. like smart mm-hmm. people do. They run. they like, I ain't about to be mm-hmm. no slave. Nah. So they ran away. Mm-hmm. And so the people mm-hmm. said, okay, we got to figure out how to make it so that if the people run away, we automatically know they are slaves, no matter what. If this is the color they're skin, by the skin they're, color. They're, they're a slave. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because we do have another caller who has a question or a comment for today. Caller 845, you are on the air. Great. You got a great show going. I was listening to that comment about the Nike uh, shoes or what are they called, the air brakes mm-hmm. or whatever they're called. The the, 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 air, the air Jordans? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the Air Jordans. Um, I was looking at a video this morning, actually. They're called the Factory of the World. 17 
thousand Chinese employees, all within a 1.9 square mile facility, one building after the other. Top floor is their living quarters, and the mm-hmm. bottom, of course, is the factory. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. Mm-hmm. And believe me, the Apple one is even larger than that in many facilities. And they actually have worse off facilities than this Ukea or something, whatever it's called, uh, the way their factory is. But they make about one-fourth of what we make. But they live there monthly, $6 a month. They eat food there about $3 a day, something like that. Uh, laundry's done. All that is done for them there. But to them, that's their way of life. They get married there. They have mass weddings. Truly amazing. And yet they make world's most famous irons and coffee makers and things of this sort. And uh, i got to give them a lot of praise on that. They're they're doing a great job. Of course, they own half America, you know, the Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, you know, that's very interesting when you look at that perspective, too, that, that, you know, they prop up the publicly traded companies, but at the same time, they've also figured out a way to pretty much own America's debt. Pretty interesting. Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah. So how, how, how do you figure out how to be at the bottom and prop it up, but at the same time also be the one loaning the money? And while at the same time, you're building your factories, establishing your country. Yeah. Let me give you this one piece of fact you may or may not know, but you're going to know right now. The Western world and the Eastern world, the Eastern world is called the BRIC system. They, Brazil, Russia, India, uh, China, and South Africa, called the BRIC system. And the Western world is the rest of the world. Okay. They run what is called a money-generating system. It's called a PPP, the Treasury, IMF, World Bank, uh, Federal Reserve Bank, uh, in, uh, um, English Bank. Uh, they all put money in, for, let's say, a person project. Uh, Pakistan needs five new bridges. It cost uh, uh, $700 billion. And all countries pitch in and they sell what they call medium-term notes. They buy them and sell them and collect the profit on it until it gets up to $700 billion. Well, they do the same thing in China, but China has a bank called AIIB. AIIB is taken over as of this year, as of this month. So I don't know what's going to happen with the Western banking system, but the BRIC system is coming up with the blessings of 
the United Nations. So hmm. I'd like to see what happens in that realm as far as PPPs go, because it looks like they're going to die down in the West, so people with money. Like, if you ever look at the Forbes listing of billionaires, uh, Bill Gates always goes up about $2 billion a year. Every year, mm-hmm. you follow him, $82 mm-hmm. billion, $84 billion, $86 billion. Mm-hmm. That has always happened. We don't have to pay taxes in America because the Treasury raises a lot of money through PPPs. They can pay everything mm-hmm. off, pay the debt owed to Rothschild banks in England. And uh, I'll tell you, it's a big money thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, and, and uh, Donald Trump, who is of the light, by the way, he is of the light person, um, he knows the Chinese have it going for them. And he has good business relations with them. He's admitted it. He's very mm-hmm. friendly uh, to the Chinese. But too many companies don't want anything to do with Mexico or China. And they suffer here in the United States. They stay small as far as uh, you know their, their books. But these PPP programs which Trump knows he's a billionaire and also put money into PPPs. That's how he raised his money. He's a, he has, what, $7 billion now? Um, the uh, monies he has control of. He's controlling them through the Treasury. And all they got to do is sort of like if China wants uh, sort of like a payback, uh, send them about three or four billion dollars, and they'll uh, move some Chinese factories over. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't mind doing that, but the problem is our wages are much higher. Exactly, you know, the employees would love it, but the Chinese manufacturers would hate it. They of would course. work out of what they call federal. Uh, no, uh, I think they're. FTZ, Federal Trade Zone. And these companies build their cars and everything here and escape the duty charges. Believe it or not, they don't pay duties or yeah. uh, whatever those tariffs. They don't the pay that. Yeah, they don't mm-hmm. pay. They make them right here in Tennessee. You can see the yeah. factories one after the other. And uh, Trump is sorry, doing everything sorry, I, he can. Yeah, I, go ahead. I had a question for you, sir. Just, I'm just based on the topic for today. What What are your thoughts on arming the teachers? And that was the, today's topic in the gun. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. No, no, no. It was. I was intrigued. Um, but I wanted to know your your thoughts on that. Well, uh, the group I belong with, uh, I'm a member of. We have a teacher that is well, very well versed in different matters of freedom. You know, try to define freedom. It's becoming more difficult every day 
to be free of anything, including guns, and who carries the guns, and who should carry guns, and why they carry guns. Uh, You take away a gun from someone who has a concealed permit, you're not free if they take your permit away. You know, you feel free when you carry that weapon. Um, Anything that destroys your freedom really isn't welcome. You might as well go into communism, really, okay, because they hate freedom. The communists hate freedom, and our country is heading that way. Unfortunately, we're already socialist, okay? Might as well be communist. Let just a few control, and that's what has taken place. So if you want to arm uh, teachers, and the teachers have good records, uh, nothing really blemished on their history, uh, why not let them carry a weapon? I mean... We're supposed to be free to do whatever we want to some limit. So it's a matter of freedom. Uh, I don't like the cabal. Probably you guys don't either. But they run the world. They, they, what, what else are they called? The uh, Illuminati, stuff like that. Those aren't uh, just names to throw around. They are real people who kill people. Anytime they want. So when it comes to schools, uh, everyone loves their children. They'll say it would oh, be wow. bad to have wow. everybody. Mm-hmm. Would, I hear you. What you, well, you know, and and and, and 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 what I hate to do is, what's your name, by the way, sir? Because you've I'm been Bob. very informative, hey, Bob. I, I would love to say this because our show it runs from nine to ten, so we naturally had our natural cutoff for our listeners um, from the public perspective. So I'm pretty sure, Sharifa, from a technical standpoint, have we already ran through the cutoff? Like, is this going to be recorded no. too, or are we already cut off? We we are live on the air, Marvin Showtime Williams. Okay, we're still wow. live because because we we go from nine to ten. But what I wanted to say is, um, first of all, thank you for being so insightful and so informative. We did start it off with, of course, the gun debate, but at the same time, there's so many fractions and facets from an economic standpoint, a sociological standpoint, and that's how we went over into, you know, manufacturing, right? Oh, and I, I just see. want I see. I, I, and, and we started there, and that's, we, we were trying to, like, you know, go, you know, in one hour, try to go as far as we can to talk about, you know, the human mindsets and even go into psychographics and things that build up for people to kind of snap and cause so much harm. But then we uh-huh. we we, devi- we deviated, and that's why we were you know talking about even you know like you know the conditions of people, and then we got in, kind of got into like the slavery talk, and then we talked about, and then my point was of course what you jumped on, which was you know when we buy things here in the westernized states or the westernized part of the world, we're oblivious to what the conditions are of other peoples who are making these goods or their salary or whatnot, right? And um, I, I know that we have I to see. shut it down in a couple of minutes, but I do appreciate your commentary, and I would love to hear more of your commentary on our other shows because we're going to be talking on a host of a variety of, of, of topics and mo- mo- the biggest thing about the breakdown, our, our main mission is to provide people with information that allows them to carry forth in their daily lives and use this information to try to attain what they're looking to desire. I know it's hard but we know that information is one of the key weapons in terms of attaining 
what you yes. want because how how do you get what you want if you don't have a game plan? Well, can I say one thing for less than a minute yes. that you can Absolutely. participate in? Mm-hmm. The only thing, really, of anything any American can do now besides carry weapons or hit people over heads or smash them in the face, there's one thing every American can do, especially the 105 million people who didn't vote. Yeah, my selection. Mm-hmm. 105 million people didn't vote. Well, one way to clear up a lot of the problems in the United States is to clear out the cabal. And how is that done? We find the 105 million non-voting people and ask them if they would like something done in our country where they can vote. We convince them to vote and only vote in people of the light, not of darkness. And that will clear up many problems. We get rid of the Patriot Act. That's the thing that's really keeping us from having real freedom in our country is the Patriot Act. We're almost like in a martial law state all over the world. So if we can get people to vote, only remove the cabal out of Congress, senators and representatives. We just kick them out, put a new person in of the light, and they go in with a brand new uh, attitude and get rid of the lobbies, the lobbyists. Uh, We end a lot of problems in our country. Okay? Absolutely. That that will start it off. And I, I can't think of an easier thing to do than do that. Uh, no weapons. Uh, <laughs> work in your own communities. And, There's and, only 535 uh, of them. Yep, 535 of them. You better believe it. Well, there we go. And I think I hate to close the show because this, you know, now we got to a point where I'm deeply enjoying it to where we're not even a radio show. Now we're just, you know, the conversation is that insightful. I want to thank right. everyone for joining the show today. We are weeknights from 9 to 10. I thank all the oh, callers. Really? I know, she, yeah, we're weeknights from nine to ten. We're a new show. This is pretty much you caught us on our maybe ninth episode, and we're going to have a, a host of topics, and hopefully they can be as insightful as tonight's. And if not, just know that we're weeknights, and you can always chime in. Wonderful, and I'm going to be checking you out before I go to my show at eleven p.m. I don't have one tonight; it's already over. But... Oh, okay. Uh, I talk about the upcoming catastrophe. I don't want to give people bad news, but right. you should be a, should be aware of it. Well, things. Do you listen to Coast to Coast? Um, I listened to them years ago when Art Bell was sort of like running the show. Okay. Uh, I don't mind Maury uh, or Maury. I don't know even how to pronounce his name, but. Yeah. I've listened to his shows, too, and he has a lot of quacks on that show. Believe well, yeah. me, right. a lot of them don't know what they're talking about. Especially yeah, you got to take, you, you take a bit of the sweet. Uh, you know, I, I, I take a lot of it with a grain of salt, too, also. So it was a yeah. pleasure uh, listening to you. 
I'm going to go because I know you have to get off the air, but it's been great. Absolutely. It's wonderful. So I just want to thank everyone for tuning in on today's episode of the Breakdown Radio Show with Sharifa Hardy and Marvin Showtime Williams. We went over a little bit today, but we're inviting everyone to tune in tomorrow, same time, 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. To be a guest or opportunities, visit our website at thebreakdownradioshow.com.